Acts 2, 42-47 says, All of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in the homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The first point that I have this morning for those taking notes is that isolation leads to burnout in your faith. That I really believe that pushing people away is one of the most catastrophic things that you can do in your relationship with Jesus. That Christianity is not designed for isolation, but it is designed for community. That, that we really, like, we need one another. And I think our role as the church is we have to be embracing one another. We have to be bearing one another's burdens. That we are meant to walk arm in arm through life together. That, that, that Jesus promises that this life isn't easy. But he promises it's worth it, and he promises I'm with you every step of the way. And so Jesus never designed for us to go through it alone, but that there always needs to be someone that's helping us move along in this in this life. For those who don't know, uh, I'm a huge animal nerd, uh, hence why there are bears on my shirt today. And uh, But as a little kid, I always I loved looking up at the sky, and I loved seeing the geese just in this V formation, that you never just see a single goose just fly by itself. But that there always is this formation, but there's, there's a reason. That there actually is intentionality with it. That when the geese fly together, that each goose provides additional lift and reduces air resistance. And by flying together in a V formation, the whole flock can fly about 70% farther with the same amount of energy than if it flew alone. And that the geese also rotate leadership, that the one in the front is actually taking on more of the wind, and so it's a tougher flight. And so when that goose actually gets tired, it'll fall to the back, and another one will take its place, and that, that it'll lead. That they will go, like, they will fly together, but they take care of one another along the way. That also, if, if a goose becomes ill, or if it becomes injured or shot or something happens to it, that two will leave, will leave the flock and that they will go with it and that they will remain with it until it either, either it dies or, it, or it's able to rejoin. But that, but that they remain with it and then they come back. And, 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 and the reason why I say all of this is that I think, like, like I love the way that they look out for one another. Like I love the way that they literally bear one another's burden, that they can't do it alone. And actually they're able to go so much farther when, they, when they're partnering together. And I think in the same way that that was the role of the early church, but I also think that's the responsibility of the modern church. I think that is our role, that, that, that we are meant to fly together with one another, figuratively, that, that we're meant to partner together in life, and that we're not meant to do this alone, but when we link arm in arm and we go for it, that we find strength in one another. We find encouragement in one another. That, that we find this support, that there, is, that there is life breathed literally into us. In Acts 4.36, it refers to Joseph, the one that the apostles nicknamed Barnabas. And Barnabas means son of encouragement. That, that, that I love that title. That when you read the Bible, that so many times that there is somebody who is briefly described as something. Son of this, or, or just a short description. And man, way to make your words count. I absolutely love just, like, this guy was known for being the son of encouragement. And I would say this, that, that in my life, in my walk with Jesus, I have people that are literally Barnabas to me. 
that I have people that are there for me when I need them, that when I'm hurting, that when I'm struggling, that they are there to provide encouragement, that they are there to provide support, that in fact, I don't think I could walk it without those Barnabases in my life. Like I need them. But I would also like to think that I'm a Barnabas to someone else. I would also like to think that I'm pouring into, that I'm encouraging, because Christianity is not just about consuming, consuming, consuming. Okay, encourage me, encourage me, encourage me, and then I do nothing with it. That as we get filled in, that our responsibility is to pour out onto others. That our responsibility is as once our tank is full, it's to pour out that tank and to love and encourage one another. So my question for you, I have two questions this morning. The first question is, who is the Barnabas in your life? And, and I want you guys to really, I want you to think about that. And, and, and my hope is that somebody pops into your head. My hope is that there is someone, that, that maybe it's a sibling, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's somebody sitting right here. But, but if you can't think of someone, then my heart is that, that, that you would find someone, that, that we need that Barnabas in our life that is partnering with us step by step, every step of the way. But the second question I have as well is, who are you being a Barnabas to? That who is that person in your life that, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage them. I'm going to pour into them. I'm going to equip them. Because that is the role that, that, that Jesus wants that for us. That, that we need to be family together. And so there's these moments where we need to be encouraged. But there's also those moments where we need to look at someone else and we see them hurting. And we need to love on and encourage them as well. That uh, Proverbs 27, 17, I love this verse. But it just says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. That, that again, I have those people in my life that I would just consider just a Proverbs 27 brother. And, and I think that, that, that we so desperately need that in our lives. The second point that I have is that having community is not about what you can get, but rather it's about what you can give. That in Acts 4, 32-33, it says all the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything they had. That the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. Again, that that the focus wasn't about me, 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 what can I get? But the focus was how can I better love the person next to me? I remember that there was this season where I bounced around, I transferred to three different colleges. And and there was a season where I was was in home, I I was back in Portland. And to be honest, I was doing what you would call church shopping. Um, I was kind of bouncing around. I was kind of finding, hey, what's the best fit for me? Hey, like, I like this. I don't like this. And and, and there really, there was this moment where the Lord just lovingly convicted me. The Lord lovingly challenged my heart and said, no, 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 you've got the wrong mindset. That this next season is not about what you can get, but rather it's about what you can give. And the Lord called and said, I want you to go here and I want you to serve. And I remember that clear as day. And so I did. I followed what the Lord said. And in that season, like I, I, I found my calling. I found my purpose. I found identity in Jesus. Like it was such a spiritually rich season for me. One that like I would never trade for the world. But it started when my focus was how can I serve, not what I can get. And I think in the same way, Jesus wants that for us. Jesus wants it to be how can you pour into others? How can you equip? And, and that is the calling that we have. That true humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it is thinking of yourself less. C.S. Lewis said that. I love C.S. Lewis. He's a, he's a brilliant theologian. But that my, my, my heart this morning would be that, that we don't just attend church and observe, but rather we engage and participate. That the church is not a building. The church is our family. The church is where we go when times are good, and the church is where we go when times are bad. And and, and that when we link arms literally with one another, that that we do life together, we say, I'm going to take care of you through the ebb and flows of life because Jesus promises that we'll have those. 
But again, he promises that he'll be with us and that we get to love on one another and we get to be there for ourselves. That Jesus was the greatest example of what it meant to serve and care for others. I, how many people know someone, to be honest, this is one of my pet peeves that drives me nuts, but when it's people that say like, do as I say, not as I do, you know, and I'm like, it just drives me nuts, you know, and, and, and it's like, what? Um, what I love is that, that that's just, that's the opposite of the heart of Jesus. That, that we serve a God who, who calls us to do these things, but he himself went before us. That he did not do, that, that there is not a single thing that Jesus is asking of us that he himself had not gone before and done. So when Jesus says, I want you to serve, it's because Jesus was the greatest servant of all. It was because Jesus just poured out everything he had onto those. It's because Jesus loved others relentlessly. So when Jesus says, I want you to do it, we know that it's, it's the truth because he went before us and, and he did it himself. That Mark 10, 45 says, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That the, the very heart of Jesus was constantly thinking of others first. It was being slow to become angry, and it was being quick to extend grace and mercy. And I think that that's a heart that we must emulate. That's a heart that we want to strive after. And, and the third and the last point that I have is that the heart of Jesus is not to limit you, but rather to set you free. That in John 8, 31 through 32 says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. To be honest, I think so often the modern day church, we, we struggle with this balance between, to, between legalism and just carelessness. That, that in one way, we, we, we don't want to be legalistic. We don't, wanna, uh, you know, we don't want to not allow any grace to flow in our lives. We don't want it to be all about, all about deeds. But at the same time, I think sometimes we can, be, we can be careless and go to the opposite spectrum where I'm like, man, I'm saved by grace. Who cares what I do? And yet the heart of Jesus is you need both to function. The heart of Jesus is, is, you know, grace without any truth is just, it's watered down. But at the same time, like, we are saved by grace. That we can never out-sin the love and grace of Jesus. That we desperately need that because Jesus went to the cross for a reason. But it's very clear right here that it's the truth that sets you free. It's the truth that gives you freedom. That, that, that James 1, 14 through 15 says that temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. That these desires give birth to sinful action. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And, and, and the thing is that the Bible actually talks about that, that sin, sin can be fun for a season, it, temporarily. But that every time it's going to lead to death. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And, and, and sin will take you farther than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. It'll cost you more than you want to pay. But in James 1.22, it says... But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are fooling yourself. That, that the very heart is that doing it, the very heart of pursuing Jesus, that's what's actually going to give us freedom. Not in a legalistic way of I have to reach a certain expectation. Again, without grace, we can do nothing. But, but that, that God knows the freedom that we have. I think so often, to be honest, we can look at the Bible almost as like a textbook. We can almost look at the Bible as like the do's and don'ts. We can almost look at it as like, oh, I don't want to, I already have homework. I'm already going through school. That's just another thing on my plate. But the Bible is, is, is the truth of God. And if the truth of God is the thing that sets us free, then man, we, we want to be all about the word. We want to be diving in because that's the thing that literally gives freedom to our bones. And it, and it gives us new life. That there's encouragement with that. 
that, 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 that the Bible is so much more than just that textbook. Right? It is so much more than the do's and don'ts. It, it's the very heart of God. The Bible is full of God's truths. It's full of his promises. It's full of his wisdom. And he says that it's going to set you free. So Jesus, his heart is not to limit what we can do, but the heart is Jesus went before us. Jesus actually was tempted in every single way, shape, and form that it says that. And yet Jesus remained perfect. And so Jesus is this who went before us. And we get to look at that perfect example. And and we want to strive for that, knowing the while that Jesus' heart is for us to have freedom this morning. That that's his heart. that, 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 That we need that fellowship. We need one another. But we also, we need the word. We need the truth. And, and as we looked in, as we looked in Acts, that these early disciples, they took care of everything. They, they wrapped arms with one another. They said, hey, we're going to sell everything we have. We're going to give to those who need. We're going to come around and just support one another. And I, and I think so badly that's what we need. That's the heart of the church is we have to do the same. So this morning, we're actually, we're, we're, we're going to, um, if the worship team can come back, we're actually going to, we're going to do one more song. But what I really want to encourage you guys this morning is that if you're feeling overwhelmed by anything, if there's anything on your heart that's just kind of weighing on you, find someone, pray with them, like share it. Like I think again, so often we can go through life and when we can get really good at faking it, we can get really good at I'm dying inside, but nobody knows. And that's not the heart of what we want to be about. That is, as Sam has said, as Michelle has said, this is a mask-free zone. So this morning, like, as, as, as we're thinking about life, like, if, if we're hurting, if we're overwhelmed, like, find someone. Like, like my heart would be that, that we would have fellowship with one another and we would truly be family. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your heart. God, we thank you for your heart. God, we love it. God, we thank you that you want us to have fellowship. God, we thank you that even though this walk is not perfect, it's not easy. God, we thank you that you go before us. God, we thank you that you give us the example. But God, we thank you that you send others to help us as well. God, we thank you for the Barnabases in our life. God, we desperately need the Barnabases in our life. And so, God, I just, I pray that we would be family. God, I pray that we would just encourage one another, that that would be the very heart that we get to move and partner with one another doing life together. So, God, we thank you. God, we praise you and we love you. In your name.